This is a soundtracking bonus special in association with Fender. Now to tie in with our recent partnership with legendary guitar makers Fender, we ran a competition for you to win your own electric guitar or bass from their new Fender Player series. We were blown away by the response and your suggestions of your favourite piece of music from a film that featured a guitar. There were so many. Now, in this special, we will announce the winners, but also have a lovely discussion to celebrate the relationship guitars have with film music. To do that, I asked along composer Daniel Pemberton and music supervisor Clee Savage. Now, Daniel's been on soundtracking before, and during our conversation, he talked about the complete nightmare he had scoring The Man from Uncle for Guy Ritchie another previous guest on this show. So to remind him of his pain, we thought we'd kick off with a cue from that movie, which also demonstrates his passion for the guitar. It's called Breaking Out the Cowboy Scapes. Daniel, welcome back to Soundtracking for this Fender special, guitar special. And Cleo, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for being here. Um, Daniel's already been on the show, so people are very aware of what he does because we do, I do, as do some of our director guests, bang on about him quite a lot because he's very good at what he does. It's lovely to have another music supervisor on the show and another female one as well. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you've worked on and, yeah, how you got started in music supervising? Um, my background actually is from the rec a record label because I worked at Creation Records for 10 years and stumbled into music supervision actually by taking a call one day when the lines were super busy at work and it was um, a producer, Michelle Camarda, was working on This Year's Love and needed a song for film and um, wanted was interested in a Primal Scream track. I'd recommended a few things back to her and she called me up and said, wow, these are really great suggestions. You should be a music supervisor. And this was about, what, almost 1999. Like, I didn't actually know what a music supervisor was at that stage. But she took me out to lunch and kind of helped me get my first gig. And since then, um, I've been working on feature films, basically, mostly. Um, just overseeing all the music on a project you know, from start to finish. Everything from the source music to helping coordinate the score and all the back-end clearances and all that kind of stuff, as well as working with the director creatively on what it is they're looking for to help realize their vision for the for the film and the music supporting it. How useful can a guitar be when it comes to creating score and emotion and sound? I really love using the guitar because I think it's very underused in film scores and I think you can get really fantastic texture out of it, both rhythmic, even if I've got a more kind of traditional orchestral piece or something, I'll often try and use it to double up string parts to give them more bite and more edge. But you can do really good melodic work with it, especially with things like ebos and slides, 
In fact, pretty much all my scores normally have a quite heavy guitar element, often hopefully in a way that you don't notice. Mm. We had an amazing response to people submitting their favourite pieces of music within film that feature a guitar, and those cover different things, be it um, physically seeing someone play a guitar in a scene or uh, a contemporary piece of music that's in a scene that you can hear the guitar, you know there's guitar that's really um, you know, a big part of it, or, or within score. Um, amazing suggestions that come in from people. We've got a kind of long list as well. There was a couple in there that I found it really hard to not have as a winner. I think I watched the Blues Brothers every night from the age of kind of 14 to 19. My mum would come in my room and like switch the, my VC, VHS off kind of thing. It would be just that thing that I'd, I kind of, such a big part of my life. Thank you to R.T. Smudge who suggested the Blues Brothers. R.T. Smudge? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a real name. <laughs> good, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, who um, suggested the amazing performance of Steve Cropper and Matt Guitar Murphy in the, in the film. He sounds, like, he sounds like he'd be playing in the band. He does, doesn't he? He'd be yeah. like on think he'd be playing? drums. Right. He'd have a very loose <laughs> playing style. On drums, it's RT Smudge. Uh, we'll send you a pick as a consolation that you didn't become one of the three winners. Right, who wants to start? Because we've kind of talked about the three suggestions that we think are, are, are really quite special and are also just really good in terms of talking about the importance of the guitar as an instrument within film music. One of the things I was thinking... A lot of times directors will either say something like they don't want, like I don't want a big orchestra, I don't want anything too overblown, I don't want my score to be telling the audience what to feel at any point, uh, it's just got to support what's on the screen. And I think that with a lot of, a lot of times when guitar is mentioned as, as a preferred sort of voice for a score, it is always usually in relation to a feeling of earthiness, a feeling of being really down to earth and, and grounded, I, I find. It's always projects like that that are perhaps a bit slower or where there's a lot communicated on screen, not so much through dialogue, but through through looks, through landscapes. And Paris, Texas is a perfect example of that. I think that score, though, for Paris, Texas is so important because as a composer, one of the things you've, I always think like the greatest goal would be to like own a whole situation. So if you run in slow motion, you've got jazz of fire. If you think of a shark, you think of Jaws. Yeah. And if you think of desert, Vaikuda kind of brought the slide guitar and put it over, over the desert. And that has had such an impact, I think, over the last 20, 30 years of film music uh, of how people perceive to see the oral environment of a desert. And it seems now like an obvious choice, but at the time it wasn't. If you look at a film like that, that opening is so grand with the shots of the Grand Canyon and all this kind of stuff. That would traditionally be your kind of widescreen epic approach that pretty much every film took before that. And Vin Vendors making the decision to hire Raikoud in the first place, very exciting, and then to use an instrument that's you know very small in a way, it's just one person. But the size that gave was, uh, I think, really groundbreaking.
so fitting almost as well as that with that character Hardin Stanton, you know, in terms of as soon as you see him kind of appear on the screen, it you feel like it's almost like the soundtrack to him in yeah, a way. Like you're in his head yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's amazing that. And and also to carry on with what you were saying, Daniel, about how massive it sounded mm. for some reason, you know, and it was. There was maybe three players on that score and it's practically unheard of. And I think sometimes that's a bit of a danger with the guitar-based scores that you do want to, you sometimes will want to sort of support it with other layers. And with Ry Cooter and his sort of bottleneck guitar, he didn't, he managed to fill a massive space and yes, make you feel as if you were inside the characters' heads at the same time. Pretty much filled the entire Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, I've just rewatched it. It's a really great scene, yeah. Hopefully that's what this will make people do as well if they haven't a haven't seen it or just haven't seen it in ages. Maybe we're going to do like when I used to, I used to do a lot of TV documentaries and there were always scenes in deserts because <laughs> and it'd always be like I'll just crack out the slide guitar. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've got to say um, congratulations to Paul Noble who suggested that he actually couldn't decide between two, but we've gone with with um, I mean there's quite a few people actually. Uh, suggested um, this but congratulations to Paul Noble uh, you'll get your choice of the Fender Player series I'm going to talk about Bullet next, if that's all right. Yeah. Because similarly with that kind of simplicity that you were talking about, but the characterization that that playing on this, I think, kind of created with Alice Schifrin is just, it's iconic. You know, when you're talking about, when you think of sharks, you think of jaws, when you think of, and I think of when you think of, well, when you think of Steve McQueen, I think of this track. I mean, I think the thing that's really interesting about the guitar playing in this is it's so cool and laid back yeah. and... Effortless. Yeah. You know, this film's got a massive car chase, which has no music in. People often think it's got music in, it's just the sound of cars. But yeah. um, the playing style is so sort of restrained and cool, it really just fits the character of Bullet so well, which is why I think it's become such an iconic piece of music, yeah. because... It would be so easy to make something really exciting and, well, not that the track isn't exciting, it's a really exciting track, but like with a lot more energy in that guitar playing. But I think it's like the, the, the held backness of the performance that just makes it, just puts it above everything else. I would love to have known what the conversations were 
leading up to the creation of that score and that sound. Yeah, because he isn't, he's a pianist, isn't he, normally? Yeah, but he was like, Lelo was doing a lot of very cool scores around then. That kind of stuff he's doing around that sort of period. Uh, you had like Enter the Dragon, Dirty Harry, Mannix, all these kind of, some of the early Mission Impossible stuff. Mm. It's, his stuff was always super cool. I mean, his scores are... They have like, swagger. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because that's what he's got known for, from. You know, he's done like really crazy works as well, like THX 1138, which is like George Lucas's first film, uh, which is amazingly like atonal core music but no one knows him for that really yeah. they know him for this kind of stuff which which i think he is the king of maestro i believe is what we have to refer to him as as well he's maestro, maestro right. oh no, he's pretty laid back i've met he? I, I met him i interviewed him years ago when i was very young and he was super cool really nice he has a very guttural kind of cough which kept making me think that he was very ill but that's just his vibes he smokes a pipe all the time and he has monogram shirts uh, <laughs> but he was a really cool guy i really really liked him and he didn't make me refer to him as maestro every two seconds there's a timelessness to that track as well even though it's kind of got that it's kind of rooted in sort of jazz and and that era as well. You kind of listen to it now and it just feels really fresh still. Yeah, he was really good at putting together unusual instrumentation in the sort of soundtracks around that time, which I think always keeps them fresh because you haven't heard it the whole time. Whereas if you look at like scores in the 80s that used the electric guitar, they sound like scores from the 80s because everyone was doing the same sort of thing. Lots of over-the-top guitar solos, over power drums. Which has its time and place. I know, I'm, I've got right. soft spot for that. I'd quite like to bring that back. I've always wanted to bring back guitar. Like, guitar solos. You that for the Spider-Man. I actually wanted to... Like, my first ideas on Spider-Man were to bring back... Like, I had this whole idea to do with guitar solos. I had a lot of chats with Leo about what I wanted to do. I wanted all these, like, webby sort of things on guitars, like right. tapping. But once I started looking at it, it didn't really make sense. There will be a time and place for you to bring it back. Bring back the tap, yeah. <laughs> Do you know Richard Jones? Uh, no, I don't know Richard Jones. Okay. Uh, he says, My suggestions bullet soundtrack main title belly shift in such an evocative little jazz riff that instantly conjures up images of the sleazy underbelly of a big city along with the 60s cool of Steve McQueen. Nothing more to say, winking smile. Nice. Yeah. It's good. He can now play that riff at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you? The bullet riff? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard, that bit. The opening couple of lines I could play, the whole thing I couldn't, but the opening couple of lines, but playing it well. It's like driving a car. Yeah, I kind of, I can sort of drive a car, but can you drive it like Steve McQueen? No. Yeah. This is a big, big soundtrack for you. Yeah, I think this is a great groundbreaking soundtrack. Why? 
I think it used the guitar as an instrument in a way that hadn't been done on a film of this scale and did it incredibly successfully. So I know Danny Boyle was very into bands like Godspeed, You Black Emperor, who create like, amazing sort of 30-minute pieces out of guitars that are kind of almost orchestral in the way they, they build. And John Murphy, I think, kind of ran with that idea and did something really fantastic where you're using all these different tones from a guitar, from like the strum of the acoustic to the kind of like the sort of more picky, floaty, sort of reverby sound to then the kind of aggression of this very fast, distorted guitar playing. And so it's like someone really writing an orchestral piece, but for guitars and getting the power of an orchestral piece, but doing it all, you know, predominantly on guitars. You know, the, on the 12th string when you hit and you get that vibration of the... That's Harmonics. The, that's the, yeah. yeah. The use of that, that's the thing that I really remember from this. Those always are good because they give you a question in music. You kind of go, oh, what's that? Or like, hmm. You know, and all the different tones in that piece give you all these different emotional hits. Yeah. You've got like the momentum from the acoustic and the drums, which just propels the story forwards. got those kind of tones the sort of harmonic ones which suggest that something bigger and then you've just got like the terror which is just the kind of very fast distorted guitars it's such a great track and that's why it's been like rinsed on every single like tv thing ever you know i think it's one of the most iconic bits of film music from that decade john murphy's written a bunch of really great pieces but i don't think anything will top that do you think that's a hard thing then when a composer's done a piece that is so groundbreaking and, and is so kind of distinctive to then not follow that up but be given the opportunity to do something of that ilk again unless a composer already has a really strong relationship with a director or producer they're often not taken on until you're close to locking picture which is quite late in the post-production process. And by then, the filmmakers, usually for budgetary reasons and, and practicality, do kind of look for a safe set of hands, so somebody who perhaps has done something similar to what they're looking for before. And I think that that is probably a little bit of a, of a shame for a composer who may find themselves sort of being pigeonholed.
yeah, I mean, Simon Gillespie, who says his absolute favourite piece of guitar music in a film has got to be John Murphy's In a Heartbeat, used in the film 28 Days Later. It's a simple, repeated melody, but such a powerful, emotional, building, and atmospheric piece of music that so helps to make the film so great. Thanks, Simon Gillespie and Warrington. You're also the proud owner of a Fender guitar. Fenders for everyone. Yeah. You get a Fender. 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 Thank you for sparing the time to do this. That's um, okay. Claire, you've got a lot of stuff coming up. You've got three films on the go at the minute. What can we see next? I'm thinking Dirt Music probably as we've wrapped filming on that one first is mm -hmm. probably going to be the first one out. That's an adaptation of a Booker Prize winning novel of the same name by Tim Winton, who's an absolutely iconic um, Western Australian writer. And yeah, and that one's going to be, you know, very musically heavy because, uh, you know, because of the uh, the nature of the characters yeah. and how, you know, music is almost a character in that film, yeah. actually, and really relates to especially Garrett Hedlund's um, character's past uh, when he played music with his family. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that take shape because we'll be in post um, starting in the new year. I haven't seen your new Spider-Man. Spider-Man into Spider-Verse. Uh, I haven't seen it deliberately. Because yeah. uh, we are going to New York next week okay. and the kids want to see it and we want to go and see it in a big theatre in New York. So I'm really looking forward to... It's set in New York as well. So. Oh, yeah, that's why, yeah. you see. I'm really excited about it. Has it been a, was it a fun project to work on? Because you seem, from you know following you on social media and stuff, you seem incredibly proud of this work. It's really good. It was very tough. Was I ended it? up living in a box in Sony in like LA for a month, like oh, literally working from like 10 in the morning to 1 in the morning. But... Everyone who worked on that project is fantastic. And the film, it's so exciting to do something where everyone, everyone on that film was like just pushing it as far as they could go. Mm. And when that happens and it all pays off and it all works out and they really have pushed it and done something you've never seen in a film before. It's, it's just really delivers that film. It's kind of why you want to make film music. And just being Golden Globe nominated as well. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> it's not too early to see it, is it? Uh, no, no, of course not. It's December. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Daniel Clay, thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thanks. From the soundtrack to 28 Days Later, that's The End by John Murphy, which seems a fitting place to conclude this soundtracking special in association with Fender. My huge thanks to composer Daniel Pemberton and music supervisor Clay Savage for taking the time to cast their ears over your suggestions for great movie guitar music. 
and huge congratulations to Paul Noble, Richard Jones and Simon Gillespie. You are now the proud owners of a brand new guitar from the Fender Player Series. Fender, often imitated, never duplicated. Normal episodes resume this coming Monday where you'll hear me in conversation with none other than Peter Jackson and Philippa Boyens. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then.